the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM560, the answer. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed, and the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. You've tuned into Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, the answer. I'm coming in. Welcome to Black and Right with John Anthony. I am his co-host, Verlon Galloway. Um, before I get to what I want to say, Rumble is not loading up. I don't know why, but it's not. But we're up on YouTube and Facebook. So uh, if you want to listen to the show, go to YouTube and Facebook. Hopefully you can watch live. But um, I got something to say. You know, I'm 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 coming off in a slow, somber turn uh, tone today because I got something to say. I was challenged by a friend of mine. He said, "Why do you always have those Democrats on the show, or those Republicans in name only? You don't need them. If you don't believe in yourself, no one else will." So I'm taking them up on this challenge. I don't have any guests. I don't have any co-hosts. It's just going to be me and you, the listeners. I like it to be intimate like that because, you know, I'm a serious person. So I want to have an interesting show with you today. I know I will. You know, me and John, we have a disagreement. And, you know, it's a polite disagreement. He knows it and I do. He always says the politics pushes the social issues. And I disagree. Ain't nothing wrong with disagreeing. We two alpha males. We disagree. I think the social issues pushes the politics and I can prove it. We got a lot of know nothing dimwit politicians out there that don't know their head from a hole in the ground or butt from a hole in the ground, whichever phrase you want to use. And they look for a social issue to challenge. I mean, to champion, I'm sorry, to champion. And if it wasn't for the social issues, they would have nothing to do. And I'm going to bring it back down to a basic level. I love talking to people, whether it's the grocery store, the bookstore, or just on the street at the bus stop. <clears throat> I try to talk to people about politics. They throw their hands in the air. I don't want to talk about politics. I don't care nothing about politics. Our politics. They don't do nothing for nobody. They all the same. But if you talk to somebody about a social issue, they will engage you and you will have a healthy conversation. As long as you don't get bent out of shape. I mean, as long as you can control yourself. Because then it won't be healthy. And I, and I got a litany 
of social issues that I thought about. I jotted down. I brought my notes in. And we're going to talk about all the social issues you want to. And I believe you're going to want to talk about one of these social issues. But at the same time, we can both chew gum and walk at the same time. And I'm going to give you a little history lesson. I'm going to take you in my time machine, my way back machine to 1973. And where America went wrong and went down the wrong path by highlighting these 1973 black leftist radicals. And I got a lot of info that I'm going to play for you. And I hope you engage me on that. I know it's going to be one person out there that will. But first, I want to get to these social issues. And I'm going to keep it simple before we get to heavy social issues. The first social issue I want to start out with with you all is bills. We all have them. Even people on Section 8 housing have them. They got to pay the light bill, water bill, gas bill. We all do. They might not pay rent, but they pay, you know, utilities. So I want to start out with bills. When you walk up to somebody and, you know, you all talk and you say, my bills are just too damn high. My rent. It's too damn high. What happened to that guy with the mustache? I love that guy. It's just high. People will talk to you about their woes, their ills. So that's an interesting topic. It's a social issue. Social issue. How about paychecks? Oh, I love to talk about paychecks. You want to know why? It's a social issue. Everybody gets a paycheck that works. And guess what's in those paychecks? It's not just the federal tax, the state tax, social security tax, Medicaid, Medicare tax. It's a hidden tax in that paycheck. Back when I got a paper check, it was Oasis. I don't know what it's called now because everything went digital, but it was an Oasis tax. And you know what happens with that Oasis tax? Oh, the government pays other people's housing, other people's EBT cards, other people's medical, as long as some woman has a kid or two, really just one. They both get medical paid for. So that's a social issue. Housing. I just said it pays for people housing. That's a social issue. Medicare, Medicaid, social issue. That falls under health care. There's a lot of people that think health care is a living right. We can discuss that. I want some people from the opposite view to call in and think that's a living right. I think you should pay your own insurance myself. And then let's go. Let's let's go back to the paycheck for a second. People think minimum wage being raised to whatever number, 20, 22 dollars an hour is a human right. It's a living wage as far as some people are concerned. I personally believe the free market should dictate what that wage is, depending on what job it is, depending on how educated you are, how skilled you are. But a lot of people don't. They think you should make $25 an hour working at McDonald's. So we can talk about EBT. How about the migrant crisis? That is a social issue because you pay for that. $300 million, Brandon Johnson said. Who's paying for it? You are paying for it. I'm not paying for it because I don't live in Chicago, but you are paying for that. That is a social issue. Policing. Well, it's a social issue. 
One time in every, all of our lives, we are going to encounter a police officer. It, will it be good? Will it be bad? I don't know. Depending on how the interaction goes. It's a social issue. Property taxes. I've been hearing everybody complain about the property taxes have went up to 40, 41%. That's a social issue. You know, so we could talk education, education. Don't let me forget that on the list. That's a social issue. The LGBTQ, the sex ed, the new black history curriculum. That is all social issues. <laughs> Ooh, it was not even enough time in this segment for me to get to everything I wanted to talk about. But I wish all of you to call in and engage me on social issues. And once I present to you these black radicals from 1973, since Lyndon Johnson passed the Anti-Poverty Act and all of the things they said leading up to now. These people planted seeds for ACORN to be in existence and now Black Lives Matter because that's all Black Lives Matter are. are. They're ACORN. They're ACORN. Don't forget about ACORN. I'm not going to let you forget about ACORN. I didn't forget about Obama's guys, his brown shirts. That's who Black Lives Matter is. So I'm going to show you where we were 50 years ago. And they're still pushing the same old rap today, 2.0. So I don't have enough time to play my clips in this first segment. I promise you, I'm going to get to all of you calls in the second segment, but I'm going to have to play the introduction after the break of these black radicals from 1973, because I want you all to get a full picture of what we're up against today in 2023 and 2024 and why Trump I don't give a damn about the debate I didn't watch it I got my highlights from the morning answer I don't care about that debate it's going to be Trump versus Biden I'm so far past the debate and now I was wondering who was going to be his vice president who he was going to pick it's not going to be any of these people it's going to be somebody we don't know we don't know because Trump he's methodical he's a mastermind And he's going to pick somebody that's going to benefit him and the United States of America. So I want you guys to to stay tuned in. I got a jam-packed show for you. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. I think you're going to enjoy it. I think you're going to want to tune in. I think some people are going to want to call in and challenge me. I think some people are going to want to call in and agree with me. And you're going to get all the time to talk today because I have no co-host. I have no guests. None. It's me and you, intimate, how I like it. Stay tuned for more Black and Right. This is Black and Right with John Anthony Uh, on AM 560, The Answer. Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony. I'm his co-host, Verlon Galloway. And before I go to the phone calls... I want to introduce to you the thinkers, the black thinkers of that time in 1973 who planted seeds and grew fruit, which our youth have eaten 
and develop the cancer, which is eating this country out today. I'm Tony Brown, executive producer of Black Journal. Welcome to Black Leaders 73. This program has been pre-recorded and you will not be able at this time to phone in any questions. The questions that you hear were directed in some instances to specific panelists and in other instances they were not. Some of the panelists had not been advertised and we do not have a number of questions for them. However, they have been encouraged to answer any questions no matter to whom they're directed. For the next 90 minutes, we will present an unedited two-way communication system between you and our Congress of Black Spokesmen. We will be using television as an instrument of positive social reform, allowing black America to question members of her leadership and make herself heard collectively. Our guests are Judge William Booth, President, American Committee on Africa, Hayward Burns, National Director, National Conference of Black Lawyers, Berkeley Burrell, President, National Business League, Stokely Carmichael, All African People's Revolutionary Party, Angela Davis, National United Committee to Free All Political Prisoners, Fannie Lou Hamer, Director, Mississippi Freedom Farm Cooperation, Nelson Johnson, National Chairman, Youth Organization for Black Unity, William Lucy, International Secretary Treasurer, American Federation of Federal, State, County, and Municipal Employees, and the chairman of the steering committee of the Coalition of Black Trade Unionists, the Honorable Percy Sutton, president of the Borough of Manhattan, the Honorable Louis Stokes, Democrat of Ohio and chairman of the Congressional Black Caucus, Cindy J. Williams, Jr., president, National Association of Black Social Workers, and James D. Williams, National Urban League. Okay. These are the people who started us down a road of no return. Now, if you don't understand where I'm coming from by the end of this show, I guess I'm going to have to fall in with Sean Thompson and become part of the succession movement. Jim, Cream Puff Jim. What's going on, Jim? You're the Lone Ranger today, huh? What did you say, Jim? You're the Lone Ranger today. That's that's right. You know what? Because I took, I forget it. I'm just going to say his name. I took Sean up on his challenge. You know, he told me I didn't need anybody else. I could do it myself. So I'm doing it. Oh, I believe you. I believe you. You're definitely capable of that. Let's let's leave it at that. I was. I think you're very capable of that. Anyway, I was going to say that Kamala Harris broke the record for the tie breaking boats in the history of the United States. Last week or the week before that, 33 votes she's taken to break the tie. That's how close we are in the politics of the United States. And the previous record went to a Confederate, well, not a Confederate vice president, but a Southern vice president, I'm pretty sure. And a pretty prominent one, but I can't think of offhand. But he had 32 votes over eight years. And 12 vice presidents never had a tie-breaking vote ever. So it's extraordinary, that many votes. And what are you beefing up on 1973 for? What, what's, what do you got going on with that? That was a heck of a year. Well, you know, you know since, you asked, since you asked me that question, Lyndon Johnson passed that Anti-Poverty Act in 1968. 
Okay. And uh, in 1973, okay, they that's five years later. It was just to really try to help people get on their feet. Uh, like, you know what I'm saying, good intentions, road to hell and all that. But the you, you're going to hear, if you, you keep listening to the show, you're going to hear the clips that I'm going to play. They're just doubling down and tripling down on the same old rap of programs, pushing programs, help black people with programs, dependency and victimhood 50 years ago. This is my problem. When does it stop, Jim? When when do we as black people, oh well, all Americans, all Americans, because it's going to be a guy I'm going to play. He talked about how white people were uh, more so even uh, addicted to welfare than blacks. But till this day, it's the same thing. When do we get off of welfare and become independent, Jim? Jim, are you still there? Yeah, yeah, but Len, let's go back to let's go back to the uh, release in the thirties when when the depression hit in nineteen twenty nine. You needed relief, and you needed you needed government programs to get the people back on their feet and get them jobs and keep them from just deteriorating from starvation. Well, that was um, that was from the depression and you know what was going on at that time. It was a lot of, lot of bad stuff going on. Hitler was trying to take over the world, but now Jim, now I'm trying to tell you, well, get you to see what is it. But, but but we're getting, we're pretty much our our salaries are going up. And I think that, uh, I think people are, are, the prejudice is starting to disappear, which is lovely in my opinion. Whoa, 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 jump, jump, jump. And you know I'm not going to cut you off. I like this. I like this, and I don't even have any other callers, really. I like this. The prejudice is going up because of the— Wait, wait, wait. You said that. You said the—well, you you said— I think it's it's coming down. No, 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 but, but but I disagree with you. The prejudice is going up because of the left. The left keeps preaching all of this hate, all of this— Hate on white people, white people are the terrorists, white people are this, white people hate everybody. The left promotes, the people that you are in league with, promotes hate, Jim. <laughs> I know, that's, that's a pretty big word, in league with. I have to be a Democrat since I was a kid, and I, I don't even feel like left or right. To me, that's like somebody sitting in the back of a car going, left, right. <laughs> you know, by the time you smash into a brick wall with those two words. But I think that, I mean, I've seen some prejudice in my day when I went work and so on and so forth, but I think it's improved. I, I think it's improved. Uh, I hope to God it's improved. Well, well, it, it, it has improved. Trust me. Back in the day, trust me, I'm no dummy. You know, black men, black men couldn't date white women and, you know, and all the rest of that type of stuff. Yeah, and, yeah all kinds of crazy. Yeah, stuff. it was, all, it was all kind of crazy back look, in the day. Look, 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 look at baseball and everything else. Even today, they had a program on yesterday. He's God is my witness. They were talking about uh, uh, fentanyl overdoses. Now, the black community is experiencing a, a tremendous amount of it because they can't get to a doctor on time where the suburban white kids can get the two drugs to facilitate them on that when they're addicted to that stuff. And then I go, we go back to the. Well, it's not just I, the black I, community; it's all, it's, it's both of our communities, Jim. I know, but the blacks, the blacks are suffering. Even, they're overdosing. Even I don't believe it. I don't believe that. I'm not going to okay, accept anyway. your premise. All right, wait, okay, wait. I, but still, nobody should overdose. They've got Narcan. 
that everybody should that should be available to everybody. All you got to do if you're sitting with a drug couple of drug addicts, you should have Narcon in the in the apartment or something so you can start that instead of dying of it. And the other thing is that methadone. I, I don't want to go on and on, but methadone. The methadone clinics when I was it's, I was 23 at 73. All my boys were Vietnam. They're all hooked on heroin. They all came back from heroin. My favorite cousin did two tours of Vietnam because he was a heroin addict. He went back because it was so cheap and so good. The heroin was so good. Anyway, they had they had methadone clinics everywhere. Now, to get methadone, to get off of the the the, uh, the opiates, they got to watch them pee. They got to watch them take it like there's some kind of animals in a zoo, and it's ridiculous. I, I, so that part is ridiculous. <laughs> but I had to go out. But I mean, it was much more humane in those days. Yeah. Hey, Jim. Man, thank you for calling in. I really appreciate your call and your input. This was like the best conversation me and you ever had. And no, I, I, man, I, listen, as far as I'm concerned, you're as good as anybody on the radio that I've heard. Hey, man, thank you. And, and you have a good weekend. Buddy. You too, brother. You too. I, I appreciate that. I don't Listen, I don't shoot anybody down. Listen, I engage the opposite opinion all of the time. Everybody know I used to talk on progressive radio with one of the craziest people on radio, Ricky Henry. So listen. Keep bringing me this pain. I want the hardcore people to call in and engage me on some of these social issues. I love everybody, and I love talking to everybody. And social issues is where it's at. We push the politics. I'm going to prove this to John today. Don't tune away. Don't turn away. Stay tuned for more Black and Right. Rap, it's too damn high. And now, more Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony. I'm his co-host, Verlon Galloway, and we're going to go straight to the cause. Mitchell from Des Hey, what's up there, Verlon? What's um, going on, Mitch? You know, first of all, I just want to say for the record, you, you can count on a determined tourist to drive the home on you know, this great airwaves with Verlon. I mean, that tourist energy is, is really flying out with that stable. It's consistent. It has depth. You add an element of what I call uh, of uh, intellectual you know, ability that really reaches the masses. So I want to thank you for all of your um, time and energy on this. And also, I want to draw back just real quick. When I did hear you on Progressive Radio, what people don't know is that Dick K, 2016, there was a guy named Verlon that would call that show, and they thought just because he happens to be African-American that he'd be you know, towing the company line. But as soon as you got into the details about how corrupt they were, it was hysterical how they handled it. And it wasn't just on DK at Progressive Radio. It was with all those losers and uh, whoever they had at the time. I think that you struck a chord with uh, Hollywood Junior or Hollywood uh, Hendon, and you guys found a place where you could discuss things in a, in a way that was, you know, advantageous and, you know, kind of crossfire. But I digress. The three, three major points I want to get across in this time. Number one to Jim. First of all, let me give you a little clarification on the Great Depression. The crash of 1929-1929 was based on the fact that our president, Hubert Hoover, a Republican, was over his head. And the governor, 
of New York happened to be FDR, who couldn't stand Hoover. And what he wanted to do is he wanted to make him look inept. So what does he do? People don't realize that it's it, the Swiss, Switzerland, and New York are the power players of the money source. It doesn't come from California, Daddy-O. It comes from New York. Going back always. It's always been New York because of Wall Street, the central bank system. Everybody knows that. Back in 1929, the power players, the Bilderbergs, you know, about all, all the big-time players that really set policy. So in 1929, what he does is he turns to his good friend Joseph P. Kennedy, the patriarch, to design a short to short 30 international companies that funded America. And back in, you know, obviously, in July 4th, you know, that, you know, in 1776, that got America to where it's at, its inception. We got a little help. He shorts 30 companies on that December 29th day. Okay? And what does it do? The people panicked. The money was flowing towards 2%, if not less, to all this money that they had. And the American public, they panicked. And they went to their banks, and the unintended consequences is that it exacerbated the Great Depression. At the same time, which was designed, FDR in 32 looks like a hero, right? right. It's by the Depression, so with all these different things, uh, generating the war machine. And what do they do? They put Joseph P. Kennedy in charge of the SEC on Wall Street, Daddy-O. And you know why he does that? Because he knows the inside score. Sean knows this. We've talked about it. He knows this inside and out. Now, for those that want to basically take an alternative approach, uh, like Jim and WCPT, they're flawed. Okay? Now, to your 1973 argument that you bring up, it's a good point, but i like to bring to your attention, FDR, FDR was a segregationist. You know that? Before, when he was in Dallas, as a senator, most powerful senator, he couldn't stand. He told the press, I'll have those bleeping black people voting Democrats for 10,000 years. Well, I, well, I think I, I think that was uh, Lyndon Johnson. Lyndon Johnson. That's what right. I meant. Sorry, LBJ. LBJ. Sorry, you're right. I stand corrected. LBJ was very much a uh, thank you, Mercury Retrograde. Uh, was was very open about his dissatisfaction about equality. And let me ask you this, Berlin. Bill Clinton, he was the governor of Arkansas. You got Jimmy Carter, who's still alive, the governor of Georgia. <laughs> How many times? In their tenure, did they try to reverse the monumental clauses in their state? None. Absolutely none. You had 1924, you have the KKK that has an open parade in the, in the nation's capital. Do you know that most of the senators were all KKK back then? Do you realize that Joe Biden has a great friend in Bird, right? What was it? Yeah, that was part of the KKK. It's hysterical that Democrats somehow don't want to face the reality that when it comes to what I call real racism, they're right there. They were part of it. And now it's all of a sudden, it's basically, it's a red herring, Daddy-O. You know why? Because they can't come to the grips. This whole thing that you're talking about is a projection of the opposite effect. It's the opposite, Verlon, and you're intelligent to pick up on it. The manipulation that they're doing is this black mild, black lives better BS. You know who I miss on that particular note? I miss J. Edgar Hoover. Because J. Edgar Hoover and COINTELPRO, that lasted from 1956 to 1971, gave the green light. He could not stand communism. He could not stand a thing like Black, Matters, black Lives Matter. And he could not stand uh, Dr. King. Couldn't, couldn't stand him. So what does he do? 
he has his director of counterintelligence because Dr. King went to hack the fool around on the road, and he sends his wife literally a videotape, not a videotape, but an audio tape of his interactions in the most intimate nights in all these different hotels across the South. Yeah, I know that. Hey, Mitchell, thank you. That was your segment. That wasn't my segment. That was the Mitchell from Displaying segment. Uh, thank you for calling, Mitchell. I'm going to talk to you soon, brother. Stay tuned for more Black and Right. We'll go to the rest of the calls right after this. We now return to Black and Right on AM560. The answer. Here's John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony. I am Verlon Galloway, his co-host. Let me give out the number. I didn't do that. I'm I'm ashamed of myself. 312-642-5600. This is the number if you want to call in and engage. Now, while I have a little bit of time, and I got only two callers on the line, I'm going to go ahead and play this next clip. My name is Carl Smith from Lawton, Oklahoma. A pluralistic society in which all ethnic and racial minorities try to contribute to the mainstream and still retain their cultural identity is often advocated as a desirable goal for our country. My question is, is it a realistic goal? Is it possible? And if not, why? If you didn't understand that question, I can read it to you again. He said, uh, um, a pluralistic society in which all ethnic and racial minorities try to contribute to the mainstream and still retain their cultural identity is often advocated as a desirable goal for our country. My question is, is it a realistic goal? Is it possible? And if so, and if not, why? Uh, That's one of the diversities, I guess, that we have among black people. I hate to say black leaders because I don't think of ourselves as black leaders. I don't think any people need leaders. Uh, We are working in the field and we're doing our job. But there is the diverse opinion. Some folks believe that you can work within the system and you can make the system work for you. Others believe you can't work within the system. You've got to have something else. I happen to be one of those who believes that although we have not progressed as we should have, and the great masses of the people have not at all uh, been able to use their inert talents, uh, the talents they've gotten that have not been that have been hidden by reason of cultural bias and examinations and all the rest that's happened to us through the years. That although the masses of the people have not tasted the success that is available here in this country, still I believe that it is possible. If I didn't believe it was possible to work within the system and to retain my own cultural identity in spite of what's happening. Uh, I I would have to give up my job. I'd have to give up my various positions and organizations that I belong to. Uh, I'd have to say, well, down with all organizations connected with this uh, government. But I look upon this government as being one of men who can be changed if there's enough pressure put upon them and if the numbers that we've got together that black people have and related people have in this country, we put our numbers together. We can't overcome uh, the, uh, the forces against us. Uh, otherwise, I, I couldn't exist in this country that way. Tom from Blue Island. 
Berlin, you're my brother. I, you know, at least uh, Marble Mouth was able to, you were able to understand a little bit of what he was saying, as ridiculous as it was. And you, you mentioned the welfare state, and what did he have to do? He had to go back almost 100 years to get a correlative argument. The, the interaction between black and white Americans has declined under these leftists. It hasn't declined amongst older black and whites like us. It hasn't declined between the guys that I'm friends with, that I've been friends with for 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, it hasn't declined between the black and white customers I have because we're living as Americans. We're not living as political scumbags. And for that guy to get on there, you know, and to say that this idea that Democrats are somehow in, on the side of black Americans is a comedy. And it's only because of shows like Black or right, Black and Right that you can hope that people learn this. We don't need government. Black Black men, black women, white women, white men do not need government as a go-between to create relationships. We create those relationships ourselves. We don't need their help. Get the hell away from us. Let us live our lives, and we'll figure it out. I agree with you 100%. I've lived my life that way since I could work. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, my brother. Uh Let's go to Kip. Kip. Hey. What's up, Kip? Yeah, are you there? Yes, sir. All right. Well, I don't want to know, really know, is John okay? Oh, yeah. You know what? You're the second person to say that. Uh, somebody else texted me earlier and asked, was he okay? He's just, he's taking a well-deserved break. And not only that, wow. John wants his listeners. I, I, I think I can say now our listeners to hear a diverse view of thought. And that's a good thing. He believes in the dialogue being open to all. Well, when he asks if John is okay, I mean, define okay, right? Because John would be the first to admit that he's never okay. We're not totally okay. <laughs> you know, we get upset about a lot of things. <laughs> and now I'm going to get a text message from him. I know you're going to get a text message, but Kip, go ahead on, oh, man. We got I one minute. Here, I want, oh, wait, I, I mean... I really seriously had to take a break and shut the radio off, to be honest. But I'm glad to hear you, uh, Red Velvet. You know, I know who you are. Hey, my guy. You know, I mean, listen. I love 560 Black and Right. I've been with you guys ever since you began on the radio. It, I love you both. But but I gotta tell you, man, my heart is sinking for our country, and what 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 you're bringing to us and the format and what you're doing is you're showing the past that is the our future again, and people can't learn from what the past has given us to learn that we're in our future. Eight seconds. And we're Eight seconds. Reliving it. All right. Thanks, Kip. You you are right. You summed it up. We'll be back with more Black and White right after this. Hola! It's the show the mainstream media doesn't want you to know about. It's Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. 
Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony. I am Verlon Galloway. I'm his co-host. Now, this next clip I'm going to play, this character, he's very interesting. His name's Carmine Stokely, and he wants a revolution. Whether it's bloodshed or what, he'll take whatever he Did you mean Stokely Carmichael? Stokely Carmichael, Carmichael Stokely, or whatever. This guy's a true radical. He wants the revolution, and I want you to hear from him. I would think that uh, what uh, our brother Judge Booth said is correct. The only question would be what kind of change do we want? I think everybody would be for that society. The question is whether or not it could come about under the present system of this government or whether that system must be changed. I, for one, believe that it cannot come about under the present system, a capitalist system. That system must be changed. I believe that. And uh, I think that if we, if we have the same objectives, then it doesn't make a difference where we work. As a matter of fact, a man working to change the system with that objective in mind can do very much inside the system once he doesn't lose sight of his objective. Uh, an example that comes to mind is that a few years ago, it was found out that one of the advisors for President Few was working for the Viet Cong. Karen, thank you for calling Black and Right. Hello. How you doing, Karen? I am doing just wonderful, and I am I am honored as a almost soon to be sixty two year old woman Ooh. to hear people speak truth. Um, the gentleman that spoke about King, you know, we're 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 only suffering because it's not about black and white, gay or straight, rich or rich or poor. It's about ignorance and intelligence. And like the gentleman who just got off, and we don't know what happened yesterday. It's going to continue to do what it do today. And it is time to speak up. You cannot conquer what you do not confront. And a lot of people want to say, oh, we got to do this easy. No, it's time to quit worshiping and quit praising the very ones that lived a terrible life. You cannot take on a leadership position and you got skeletons in your corner or you're not walking. I'm going to give you a good example. If I'm driving and you're in the passenger seat, you can text. I can't text. Because I'm in a higher position. So when you're in a higher position, much is required. That's something we don't, we don't get it. We want to say, oh, they're human. Well, don't run for that position. So the things that we're living in today, it's not for the guys at the bottom. It's all of those who took leadership. I got a phone call today of a mayor here in Chicago. We got plenty mayors that they made them feel like celebrities where it's just disgusting. And it's time we start confronting to conquer. Keep doing this show. Keep being bold. Keep being black and right. <laughs> it's time for us to know truth. We're the only ones lost. Yeah, that's You, know, you want to know another thing I'm tired of? I'm tired of the school system. Mm. Talk, talk, talk. All right. Okay. <laughs> she said she had to say she was gone. Thank you, Karen. I love it. I love the fire. And I, I'm glad. A sister called in and said I was speaking the truth because most sisters would have told me apart. I, they would have tore me down and, and, and fed me to the fishes. But um, listen, these people that I'm going to play for you, they gonna, they're going to show you how they set our youth on a path of destruction. I wish I had enough time to play the next guy, Howard Burns, but I will play him after the break. But I want more people to call in and engage me. You don't have to engage me about these 1973 radicals. I just want to show that we can chew gum and walk at the same time. 
you can talk to me about some of these uh, issues. I know a lot of people are passionate about healthcare, social security, the migrant crisis. You know, we're paying for all this stuff, Medicare, Medicaid, you know, uh, policing. We, we Come on, man, call me, call me, call me. I'm begging you, even the ones that want to argue with me, you know, like Phil from Blue Island. I know he's going to call sooner or later. I'm going to play one of his heroes, and I'm going to talk about him, and he's going to call. We'll be back with more Black and Right right after this. My killers move in silence like you don't know what I'm silent. The your killers are wild. My dog is with it. You want it? Come and- Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed. And the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. You've tuned into Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. I'm coming in. I'm his co-host Verlon Galloway, and somebody called back. They must, they must have didn't know I was gonna let them keep on talking. Karen, come on, sister, you was fired up. I wanted you to keep going. Listen, and I'm so glad you allowed it. And I really wanna, I really wanna, I want people to hear this because it is literally time for us to use our brain cells, like for real. It is time to think. I've done a lot of surveys for the last thirty years. I've went and asked questions. No one ever talks about all the negativity that's taking place is in colleges. In college, you learn how to do drugs. You learn how to sleep around. You learn how to join games. You learn how to just read, read to take a test, not read to learn. We have really been bamboozled because these institutions have taught individual individualism. A world cannot make it of individualism. The world was not supposed to be for profit. So now, it's like I said, it's not about black and white. It's about, are you educated? Education is free if you pay attention to nature. Once you learn how to read, count, and, 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 and write, then you read, count, and write. This is what you hear college people say. That's a good question. Well, you know what's so terrible? Every question is a good question if you don't know the answer. These schools, the Rockefellers became, took over the Board of Education, and they said in the 1800s, we want a world of workers. We don't want a world of thinkers. And God dog it, that's what has happened. Nobody thinks anymore. I heard a lady on the show the other day say she was a lawyer, and you know what she said? She said, this is what I was taught. In law school, I wasn't taught to think further than that. So this is so you have many people that's literally following. It's almost like somebody following somebody's recipe. Right. You got your own recipe. Listen, if I schooled you how to cook dressing, you're going to do it my way. Right. But if I educate you how to cook dressing, guess what you're going to do? Sir? You're going to do it your own way. You're probably going to make it today. You go. You're probably going to taste better than matter. Right now, we're living <laughs> off of a bunch of old ideas because too many people have been schooled. And their favorite word is, I'm highly educated. I'm going to say this. You know how I got my bachelor? You know how I got my associate's degree? How? I associated myself with nature. Hey. I remained a bachelor for as long as I needed to be to get it. Then I began to master 
every bit of the diseases that the European culture has put upon us. And guess who I am today, sir? Who are I'm you? the doctor of my own world. Okay, you're talking to Dr. Hicks. I study ants. I study geese. I study trees. I study the sun. If we would just study the earth that we live on, you would see it change. Thank you for letting me say what I have to say, because I'm tired of the ignorance that we see across these airways. And I'm tired of the football game of politics, because guess what? You can't come in the middle of a Monopoly game and win, but if you know how to play poker, you can win with nothing. And if you know how important the pawns are on a chessboard, you can know how to make a move. I love you, sir. Have a I love day. you too, Karen. That's real as it gets. That's real as it gets. Jim from South Elgin and a sponsor of this show. How's it going, Jim? I'm doing good. It looks you're, you're holding up the fort very well tonight. So I appreciate um, it. Yeah, good. I will actually a couple good things uh, to talk about uh, versus the garbage that was seen in Illinois. Uh, this week, I went to Mayor Irvin's Christmas party out in Aurora. Okay. What he is doing for that town is what the whole state should be doing. They just uh, broke ground on a $360 million hotel casino that's going to be built along Route 88 across from the Aurora Mall. They have all these other projects there, and they're going to take the, down south, the downtown park where the existing casino is. They're going to return it to what's called a buildable state, they have many, many people that want to put a high-rise hotel or someplace, some kind of facility down there. So this kind of growth and development is the example uh, for the rest of the state to be following. And even though Illinois does a lot to drive businesses out, local talent, talent like that attracts the business and cultivates it. So I know a lot of people were upset with Irving because he voted Democrat sometimes or whatever. But, you know, as, as a, a manager of his city, <clears throat> he's a great cheerleader. And his stewardship and his, his leadership is a good role model. And I know sometimes people get a little political and say, well, he's, like I said, a Democrat. But, you know, you got to sometimes put politics behind and look at what's good for the common good for the area. And he's shown it. It's, it's wonderful. In fact, out here in Bartlett, which is part of Cook County, the same thing's going on with our mayor here. They're finishing up a construction of two car dealerships on Route 20 by Route 59. And that's in Cook County with Cook County property taxes. And also here in Bartlett, uh, Aldi's is building a new grocery store uh, right on the County Line Road, again in Cook County at the Plaza in, in downtown Bartlett. There's all this growth going on here. They're building homes up to Wazoo out here and out west in Kane County and stuff, St. Charles and, and South Elgin. It's, it's amazing. So this is the kind of example we need to try to get everybody else to follow here in Illinois versus what they're doing, especially in the areas uh, bordering uh, Illinois and other states where people are leaving. So it's really good. And also I was reading they're going to be passing some sort of law. The Illinois Freedom Caucus was able to get, or there's some sort of bill in the legislature, if people can go donate blood, they have to be able to disclose whether or not they had the COVID vaccine and things like this to like get, let people know that they should maybe be taking this blood because of all the results, all the side effects. Hey, Jim, I appreciate that. I do not frown upon business. I encourage business. So if he's doing those, well, I'm not going to say if, he is doing those good things for Aurora, Brandon Johnson needs to follow suit. He needs to look at Richard Irvin, the, the leader of the second biggest city, in um, Illinois, and learn some things. Hey, Jim, I, I, I thank you for the call, Jim. Okay, let's get back to the subject matter. This is Howard Burns. I do think that we make a mistake if we talk about 
this in terms of absolute doctrine. So we talk about it in terms of black people and integration or black people and separation. It seems to me that that's a false dichotomy that has been set up in terms of the way in which the debate is discussed. The real issue I feel for black people is one of empowerment and one of redefinition of the way in which black and white people are interacting in society. I feel that's what we must be about. That was a short clip, but I, I really wanted to get to this lady. This is a true Marxist. She was the first, one of the first black women professional agitators of her time. But did you know, did you know her forefathers, her ancestors were slave owners? Oh yeah. Obama's boy, Obama's boy Gates exposed her on state TV, PBS, WTTT. I do think that we make a mistake if we talk about this in terms of absolute doctrine. Well, I think we talk about it in terms of black people and integration or black people and separation. The fact it seems that to me that that's a false dichotomy that has been set up in terms of the way today which is discussed. Designed in such a way that nobody is empowerment. And want to redefinition. If you, I do think that we make a mistake. Consider the fact that uh, this I do think that we make a mistake. Oh, this is a glitch. Talk about this in terms of absolute. Okay. You had two different ones. Uh, yeah, planned, yeah, you? yeah. All right, that's it. All We're right, you know, with what, a new system. Verlan's never, never played with this that's system. That's okay. That's okay. It happens. Here, well, here I we think go. that. There we go. If you. Consider the fact that this system, this capitalist system under which we're living today is designed in such a way that nobody except a privileged few can attempt to express themselves or contribute to anything. There's no doubt about the fact that we have to talk about revolutionizing the system before anybody can, can uh, live in any kind of human uh, fashion together. Now, I would just like to point out the fact that uh, I have seen with my eyes, societies where people of different colors have learned how to live together, each maintaining their own cultural identity, but each uh, fighting to build and to continue to construct a socialist revolution uh, together. I was in Cuba not very long ago, and uh, I saw with my eye, own eyes how black people um, Brown people and white people have reached the point where they can work in harmony towards the building of a uh, socialist society. Okay, this is just a taste. Wait till we get into these Revolutionary Party members, what heads of Revolutionary Party uh, members, uh, like that guy, Carmichael. Uh, This guy, he wants blood. He wanted blood, but he didn't get it. But um, David... I will be coming to you at the top of the next break. I just want to get some information out there. I want people to feel it. I want people to just see it in their brain. What was then, what we let them get away with, and what we're dealing with now because we didn't swat them down like flies. So we'll be back with more Black and Right right after these messages. Black and Right continues on AM560. Once again, here's John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony. I'm his co-host, Verlon Galloway, sitting in for him. I just got to emphasize this for a minute. 
Angela Davis, super Marxist, pro-black Angela Davis's forefathers were slave owners. Gates revealed a document where her forefathers owned six slaves. Six. But she's super pro-black. Wow. She couldn't believe it. I saw, I, I, I had to look it up and I seen the broadcast. I was like, she couldn't believe it. Angela Davis. But I'm going to play this next clip because, listen, these people in these next clips, because they're about a minute apiece, so I'm going to run through them real quick since we got a lot of time. They highlighted Cuba, North Korea, New Guinea in 1973 as the shining cities on the hill who America should have inspired to. That's crazy. They spoke about communism, socialism, like they were great. Now people might push it under another name, but they spoke about it loud and proud. Let me play this next clip. Any other responses? Let me just maybe add to what Brother uh, Brown said over there just a moment ago. I think the the key question is that certainly it's a good idea to work toward a a, a total input by all, all, I suppose, ethnic groups in our society, blacks and what have you. But the key thing is whether or not you have a sufficient amount of power within yourself to affect the system when the system is working against your vested interest. Uh, in school some years ago, we were, we were taught to think of America as a melting pot, and I think the current administration has proven that there are ethnics who are unmeltable, because even though they are invisible, they are still there to identify with their own vested interests as a people. I think as black people, we've got to become concerned, first of all, with what our vested interest is in either preserving the system or changing the system. And once we make that determination, then the direction that we have to take uh, is, is clear for us. For instance, if you look at the various arms or branches of government, they represent different interests. Uh, yet there is none that represents our interests. Uh, for instance, the business interest is represented by a branch. Uh, you will never find that branch you know, going contrary to what the interest of business happens to be. Uh, yet there's the labor interest, uh, and only here lately have we found some differences there. But every segment of our society that represents a power, you know, lever is represented there, except uh, people, and particularly black people. And I think it's, it should be, we should be about the business of A, coming together, not in specifics as to what our, our interests and goals are, but certainly in generality in terms of what we need to exist in this society. Now, that was William Lucy. Never assimilation, always trying to divide power and take power. Our interest, our power base. Never together, always separate. Tom from Cherville. Uh, yeah, Verlon, yeah, the Angela Davis, I remember her in the 70s. I also remember a movie called Network in 1975 where there was a character in the movie who was based on Angela Davis. Mm. And also, it, it the more I, you know, after 50 years, it's, it, it doesn't matter if the issue is race, if it's gender or if it's class, it, it's always about leftism. It's not about black. It's not about white. It's not about working people. It's about pushing leftism. Well, I, I, I agree to a degree, but 
in all of these, don't stay tuned. Do not tune away. These people were talking about black power, power for the black community programs, just, just pickpocketing the American people more and more and more. They're going to talk about how Nixon was trying to stop the programs. I don't want to tell, tell it. I want everybody to hear it from themselves out of their mouths. But these people, one after the other was just talking about pushing more programs, more welfare, more of this, more of that. You, you're going to hear it. Well, they also talk about getting out of a system run by Whitey, right? But then they're going to supposedly run to labor unions. Right. Which are run by Whitey. Right. And government, you know, at that time was run by Whitey. They had a few and blacks in government. A lot of labor at that point was run by mafia. So That too. In 1973, of course. But hey, but I'm telling you, it's more to come. Thank you for calling in, Tom. I'm finna hit another a few more of these clips. I just want you to hear for yourself. Let me ask a question about your comment. Would would it be correct um, to infer from your comments that that you would suggest uh, some attachment of a power mechanism for black people to the governmental apparatus as as a solution to the empowerment of black people? Uh, I think what I, I'm, I'm getting at is the, the, the is the acquiring of power within the black people themselves to affect the system in any way it needs to be affected in order to produce on behalf of the interests of black people. I'm not saying we should have a black agency. That's 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 not what I was referring at all. I'm saying that every other ethnic group in our society has, by some means or other, acquired the power to move out of their depressed or oppressed situation, with the exception of black and brown. Uh, I, I think what I'm saying is that whatever that power has to be to, to move the government or move local structures, that's what we need to be about. And I think the, this, the vested interest should be the basis of our movement. Invested interest. Next clip. America really is an ethnic society. And I live here in New York now, though I come from Texas, which, and New York has always been talked about as a melting pot. It really isn't a melting pot. We have Jews, we have Italians, we have blacks, we have Puerto Ricans, a variety of other cultures that live side by side with each other, not always happy with each other. But if we're talking about change, whether it's a change of the style of the government or an absolute change in the nature of the government to a socialist society or whatever other society, I think the thing that is fundamental to it, if we as black people are going to talk about change, one of the first things we need to do is develop some unity within ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean that all black people have to speak the same language or have the same philosophy, but we have to learn to communicate, and I think we are, in a large measure, learning to communicate with each other. And we've got to develop coalitions with others because we are a small minority. We have great power, however, if we can unite our minority with other minorities because there are, are other groups of people who would wish to move in the same direction as we wish. So it doesn't make me any difference whether we're going, if I thought tomorrow we could stage the revolution and the revolution would succeed, I would give leadership to it. That is a revolution by whatever method. But at this structure in our development, I believe the kind of revolution that is going to take place is a social revolution without bloodshed. And if this is to be so, one of the first things that must be accomplished is that black people, poor people must unite themselves and then join forces with others. Bloodshed revolution by any means, hopefully by talking, but not Stokely. We, we got to take power revolution by any means necessary. 
How is this talk from 1973 any different from today? Think about this. A bunch of gobbledygook, all these different ideologies trying to meet up and speak sort of the same language. He said we don't have to, and that's why it's all discombobulated today. But I'm going to play this next clip before we go to break. Well, I, I do see I do see more unity because uh, the power structures in the South are forcing us to have more unity. You know, there have been a class split with the black community. That's being moved because we are finding out whether you middle class or no class is no different. As long as we black, we in the same boat. And that's forcing us to be together. Because, you know, we've seen what is happening in our schools. You know, like if a principal was a principal and was moved, and become assistant principal, his job, if he's black automatically, if he become assistant principal, his job automatically is to carry toilet tissue from one school to the other one and load up the bus. So he's finding that it's no different in us, and it's forcing us to get together. And I think that the change will come because we have to, there's nothing handed to us on a silver platter, and we have to work together for a change in the South. Oh, my God, I love this. I know a lot of you all like just beating your head up against the wall. Sean told me I watch TV like a woman and I have the patience like a woman. Uh, You know, I I could just listen to it all day long because I like to see the substance of what they're talking about. Phil, I only got 15 seconds. I'm going to take you after the break because I want you to beat your head up against the wall, too. And I want you to respond to what I'm talking about. I I wanted somebody to call in that's going to take me on. And you got all the time you want. We'll be back with more Black and Right right after this. Back to Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony. I'm his co-host, Verlon Galloway, and Phil. Phil, I am going to come straight to you, but I want you to hear another clip so we can start talking. And trust me, even if we come up to a break, I'm going to keep you. But what we had to do immediately after I assumed the chairmanship was to try and evaluate our role. Uh, We found ourselves at that time being 13 black legislators out of a body of 435 congressmen and uh, having formed uh, a black caucus for the purpose of trying to alleviate the conditions under which poor and black and disadvantaged people live in this country. We had to try and evaluate that role in terms of of 1973 and the United States Congress, particularly in light of the present administration in Washington. As we evaluated our role, we realized that we sort of grew up overnight, and uh, we immediately tried to be all things to all people. And uh, for a period of 18 months, we conducted a series of conferences, a series of hearings uh, around points of interest and concern to black and disadvantaged people in this country. And uh, after we had developed all of the hearings and the conferences, we realized we had a great deal of data collected, a great deal of uh, proposed legislative solutions. And so we realized that we ought to get out of the business of conducting conferences and hearings because we had the, the data, we had the specifics with which to work and propose legislation which would get at some of the solutions to some of these problems. So consequently, we 
decided that we would try and make the emphasis of the caucus that of a legislative thrust, that is to add a black perspective to that legislation coming through the United States Congress, particularly uh, in light of our work on committees, where we can fashion amendments to legislation before it even comes to the floor that would add a black perspective to that kind of legislation. And so it's, it's with this kind of a emphasis or thrust that the uh, Black Caucus attempted to change its direction. Now, for you all that don't know that vo- voice, that's Lewis Stokes. See, I, I'm playing all this to rattle the cages of the people like Phil from Blue Island. I knew this would get him up out of the bed and he wants to have a conversation. So, Phil from Blue Island, what's going on? Everything's good, Berlin. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. I'm trying to dig into the minds of people. I'm trying to show them why we are confronted with the crazy black leftists like Black Lives Matter today. It's because of people like this in 1973. What do you say? Well, I say that if, if, it, was, if it wasn't for that era... I don't know. I think America by this time would have probably had a second civil war. So with that being said, I believe with Dr. King and, and, and even with, uh, um, um, Jesse Owens and, and, uh, Duke Ellington and, you know, you just name them. You know, um, um, uh, uh, when it comes to music, Quincy Jones, of course, you know, Malcolm X and Thurgood Marshall. A lot of these people were working for peace. I mean, just say Muhammad Ali himself. You know, just because he didn't want to go fight a war that now everybody says was a probably an illegal war. It was a false flag war. But again, they wanted to strip Muhammad Ali. They wanted to treat this black man worse than they were treating anybody else. So it's, it's very hard. It's extremely hard for us. And I don't care what area it is to get fairness out of this justice system. And this, this is the point that I'm going to make to you, that until this system is made just, I mean, it needs to be, until it needs to be changed. And, and, it, and America doesn't want to change. America is happy with the status quo. Well, let, 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 me stop, let me stop you there. How? I'm just asking a simple question. What changes do you think need to be made to make it just? I mean, just when you, when you in the in the criminal justice system, for example, when everybody knew that judges was writing sentencing laws when it came to powder cocaine and, and crack cocaine, and they knew that they were tripling and, and sometimes quadrupling the sentence for black people for crack cocaine, when they knew that white people were using cocaine and getting off with just minimum sentences. And first of all, I mean, it, it takes an individual to be fair because this system is built on individuals. So until the white community that are in power, those white individuals that are in power, but the problem with that, Verlon, they don't want equity. They don't want well, 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 you know, every time you say something, I'm going to stop you to get you to get an explanation. What do you mean by equity? No, nobody on the left explains what equity is. And I'm going to go back to something for a second. Powder cocaine wasn't associated with gangs. Crack was. That's the reason why it was so violent. But explain equity. 
No, no, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that example you just feel. Um, I mean, just fairness, just fairness across the board. When What's fair? Law, What's fair? Th- those to- are those words that I can't stand. Feel care, fair, help, equity. What well, what does that mean? You got You got. It's a definition for words. Tell me the definition. Well, see, of equity. Well, well, but when it's applied to white people, you ain't got no problem with it. What do you mean? Nobody, right. even white people, don't tell me what equity means. They don't know what is equity. What does equity mean? I mean, just use the root word. It's just equal. And it's not that complicated. How do well, you? That would be equality, right? But how do you say what's equal? See, this is the problem with the left field. You talk about okay. I'm, I'm going to play some more clips, and they're going to say the same thing you said. You know, the fruits of our labor. Give us, give us what we are owed from the fruits of our labor in slavery. Uh, uh, Carmine Stokes is going to talk about that. What is that? What's the number? Nobody knows the number. People just say words. What's the number? What's fair? What's equal? You're not saying it. I'm giving you all the time in the world to say it. What's fair? What's equal? I don't understand why, and his name is Stokely Carmichael. Okay, Stokely Carmichael, Carmichael Stokely. Uh, people used to tell me, say my last name first before my first name, man. I grew up like that. Come on, well, whatever. Yeah, we both his name could be rapid as far as I care. But uh, what- All I'm saying is you, you might have some listeners that might be taking notes and at least say the name right. Let so me tell you something. If you say his name in reverse on Google, it'll pop up the same. Don't make it. Don't make everything an argument. Okay, st- tell me what equity is. If you don't know what equal is, if you don't know how to treat, this, this equity is this, right? You got four children, right? And you're going to treat all of your children. You're going to love them all the same. You're going to love them uh, equally. You're not going to favor one over the other. Well, that's not equity. That's country, equality. Right. Well, again, what's the difference? Okay, you tell me what's the difference. No, you the one. You the one that said okay. equity. Equality no, 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 is exactly no, no. what he you just said. In. Equality is what you just okay, said. Where okay. you treat people equally, right? Equity right. is having a stake of ownership. Those they're two completely different words with completely different meanings. That's right. That's right. I'm right. Okay, I'm still learning, so I can accept that, right? But then, no, when you talk about equity, and then you talk about Slavery, right? And they're always talking about this day and age, talking about how uh, they don't appreciate uh, 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 black people, um, uh, so-called uh, using these social services and getting over on the system. Or, <coughs> excuse me, but for centuries, white people have used black labor to create white wealth. Okay, but how do you put a number on that? We're finna come up on a break in like in 19 seconds. How do you put a number on it? I can't put a number on it. Come there on, you go. Thank you. Hey, Phil, I extend. No, 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 wait a minute. You ain't winning nothing. I, uh, you ain't winning nothing. I, I, uh, listen, we're coming up on a break. We'll be back with more Black and White right after this. This is Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to Black and Right. Let's go straight to the phone calls. Terry from Rogers Park. How you doing, Terry? 
Oh, hi. Hi there. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I guess I'm not going to be talking about what you guys have been talking about. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. You know, John and I switch it up. Okay. Uh, I read in a magazine about what caused uh, college students to no longer have uh, American patriotism. Uh, it, it started during World War II when uh, German university professors uh, fled from Germany in the 1930s to America and slowly taught the students their ideals, such as hatred of Jews. In World War II, they taught America that? That's right. Wow. Wow. They, I'm they to... left. They left. They wanted to get out of Germany and uh, go go to America and do that. Hey, listen, I don't doubt you, man. Listen, they have sabotaged our education system for a very, very long time. Terry, how do you explain where we are now and the hatred against Jews now? and the rallies and all of the crazy stuff these young kids believe in. I know it started at least in the 60s, but I can, I can believe they planted a seed a long time ago. Thank you for the call, Terry. Mark from Oak Lawn. Mark? Berlin, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. No, oh, man, thanks for taking my call. Hey, you sound great. Your show is, uh, you know, going solo. You're doing a great job. I'm really... Uh, I enjoy uh, you letting people talk, and it's great. I appreciate that. Hey, you know, you know, I mean, over my, I've been, I'm almost retired. I'm 65 years old. I've been working all my life, you know, 40 years as a sales guy, and you know, uh, if I had to make a couple suggestions for for everybody, black, white, you know, I think the big thing is is that you're so lucky in life if you have a mom and dad that really care about you and really love you. And, and and you keep the family together. See, and I think the government, they don't want to see the family be together because the government wants to have this mentality that we're going to take care of you. You know, you can't take care of yourself. We're going to take care of you. And, and it's a, such a detrimental uh, outlook. And the government is, uh, it's all geared about votes and power and Marxism and, and control. And, and, you know, they, they've kept the black people down for such a long time with Jim Crow laws and uh, 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 LBJ and the Great Society. And you know what? Now they're trying to do it to, uh, uh, to, to Caucasians. You know, they're really the middle class working people. They want to bring this country down to its knees. They want, uh, they're giving immigrants $9,000 a month to come over here. Uh, uh, they want to have uh, a world, United States, the picture of a success of the United States is to be uh, more dominant with immigrants, people that they can control, and the government basically just uses people for their own means. Hey, we was just talking about this at the cigar shop before I came into the studio. You are uttering the exact words of the people at the shop. Hey, I believe it. I believe it. I'm with you, brother. Hey, we'll be back with more Black and White right after this. Ashley, I'll come to you first. This is Black and White with John Anthony on AM 560. The answer. Welcome back to Black and White with John Anthony. I am Verlon Galloway, his co-host. And without further ado, 
Fuega, Ashley Ramos. Hello, hello. What's Glad going on? on with you. Uh, thank you for I calling. To, <laughs> I wanted to discuss what uh, you and Mr. Phil were talking about. So my comment to this is, the reason that equity can never be achieved is because equity is based by definition on the word fairness, and fairness is a perception. So your perception of fairness might be different from my perception of fairness. We'll never see eye to eye on it because everybody has a different view. So equity will never work. Equality can, absolutely, if you split the baby down the middle the way they do in the Bible, but people don't want that. If people truly wanted equality, then they would be okay with college standards all being the same across races, but nobody was happy by that about, you know, on the minority side. But it's true equality when everybody's got to get the same grades or do the same work. They wanted equity, which is their perception of fairness based on their life perception. And we can't do that. that that's, not, that's not what our country is based on. Our, our country is based on what is the hard work that you're willing to put in, what is the changes that you will make, what are the things that you are willing to work to achieve. And that's, that's why equity can't work. See, you know what? I only had five seconds left, and he just kept saying, you didn't win, you didn't win. I didn't have enough time to respond. You know, fairness and equity is the fruits of your own labor. You decide what fair is by how hard you work, how, how much you educate yourself to make more money. That's what fairness is, not what happened through COVID when the minimum wage was forced up to $20 an hour, $25 an hour artificially. That's not fairness. You know, uh, you could do that for every last job. You know, that's not fairness. And people, I feel, he'll never understand that. Absolutely. And I will say this, when it comes to money, too, one of the things I, I just recently had to do an interview, and it was yes or no questions. They said, would you give money to Ukraine? I said, no. They said, would you give money to Israel? I said, no. They were like, what? You don't want to help the Jewish people? I said, it's not that. I can't advocate giving money to people on bad legislation. If I have to say no to one, I have to say no to the other. That is equality. Oh, yeah. That is fairness. You are a breath of fresh air. And I wish you all the best in your race. I hope I, I hope somebody takes these people out that's that's do nothings like I started to show off with do nothing politicians. I know you'll do something. That's right. You got it. Lots of love, dear. Thank you, brother. I mean, I'm sorry, sister. Oh. <laughs> I'm so used to saying thank you, brother, to so many guys. Thank you, sister. Uh, next up, Glenn. Um, good show. Good show, Berlin. Enjoy listening. Thank you. Um, I uh, remember some points from various people. One of them was Larry Elder. The worst father in America is the U.S. government. Hmm. Uh, poverty comes from poor education. And uh, from the Woodson Center, no one can make you a victim without your permission. That's right. The country is based on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, not the guarantee of happiness. Yeah, that's right. You have, find, you have to find happiness on your own terms. And get the government off our back so we can move forward. Brother, you said a mouthful without saying a lot. I, I just want to thank you for bringing clarity to the conversation between me and Phil, even though I let him talk just so he can get it all off his chest. Because if I don't, he might go, over to, go outside and knock somebody over the head and steal their car and pick their pocket because he's so frustrated because the government's not giving him what he thinks he deserves, you know, equity and fairness and help. You know what I'm saying? The government is not the road to happiness. That's stay away from it. It's bad news. 
Thank you, brother. Man, I love y'all. Y'all calling in, y'all helping out, you engaging in the conversation. I love it. I can't wait to see what the next album brings because I own, I don't think I made it through half my clips. So when You're I'm not even close, I'm not even close. I really wanted you to see the mindset of these people who brought us to the brink of destruction through these welfare programs and all this other nonsense. We'll be back with more black and right right after this. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed and the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. You've tuned into Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. I'm coming in hot. Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony. I am his co-host, Verlon Galloway, standing in. I got to get back to the subject matter, everybody. I just want to play one more clip. And Larry, I will be coming to you. I'd like to ask um, either Mr. Williams and or Mr. Williams, uh, since the uh, National Association of Black Social Workers is definitely interested in services for black people, poor people, and the Urban League is definitely in the business of institutionalizing services, how do you see the recent budget proposals or the appropriations for these service programs affecting black America, specifically during the summer months and, and on into the, to the years? Well, the way I view it, the current uh, Nixon uh, administration policy is creating or will create a critical condition in the black community. Uh, they're cutting back on key services in the area of uh, uh, daycare, welfare, uh, scholarships for students to attend school. Many students would not be able to attend the uh, open school enrollment program, and etc. But even more importantly, in the, currently in the black community, despite the <coughs> statistics uh, that have been pro- projected by the Nixon administration, you see, we made a survey in both Harlem and Watts, and we came up with these statistics that something like 40 to 50 percent of blacks that are unemployed at this particular time right now. Now, with the current cutbacks, this is going to create even more unemployment. In fact, some statistics have already been thrown out by some of the black groups. There's something like 200 or 300,000 black, pe- uh, b- uh, black people working in the poverty program will be affected, that are currently employed, that will be affected by the job cuts. So this is only compounding the current uh, unemployment situation that currently exists now in the black community. So I think that we are now past the repression state. But in a critical point, not only does this exist in Harlem and Watts, it exists throughout the major urban areas in the city. And I think that uh, as black people, we're going to have to begin to speak out against this uh, current trend because it's having a drastic effect on the black community. Now, I just got to say something. Sounded like Eddie Murphy. (laughs) One of his characters. Doesn't welfare contribute to unemployment? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, you know, it might be me. I'm, you know, I'm, well, I'm kind of slow. Because you're a critically thinking conservative, you hear that <laughs> that entire spiel there, and you go, "Well, um, doesn't the fact that the government has to subsidize a basic lifestyle point to a deeper problem?" 
Should we keep applying Band-Aids or should we rip them off and find out where the wound is and maybe suture it up? Yes, it's time to sink and sink or swim. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So in, in that same fell swoop, right, the Nixon administration created the education department. Mm. I believe so. I mean, it was probably it was like within two weeks. That's okay. We can look it up. You but know. No, no, I'm just saying. Like that's that's the other side of what they're – that was an attempt, a poorly conceived one, right? Right. Not a fan of the education department, the EPA and all that stuff. But oh, that, no. that was an attempt to make government actually work for people. Yeah. yeah. You know – Good deeds, help, and whatever else is the road to hell. Is it, it, good intentions is the road to hell. I think that's the way you're supposed to say it. I think the road to hell is paved with good no, intentions. There you go. I mean, I'm confused right now. I'm listening to all these dudes from 73. I, I'm all messed up. It's all that equity. It's got you messed up. <laughs> Larry, what's going on? Hey, everyone. How's it going? All right. Man, it, it wasn't just black radicals. In 1973, remember, uh, you were too young probably. Uh, they, they had the Chicago 7, and one of those guys was Bobby Seale, but the other guys were white. Uh, Tom Hayden, he ended up marrying uh, Jane Fonda, and there was Abby Hoffman, Dillinger, and Renee Davis. And Yeah, I mean, these guys all became speakers at colleges, and they raised or uh, taught to people like Ayers and Dorn. Yeah, I mean, they... they <laughs> they're just as bad. I, mean, I don't know. I'm just disgusted when I think what happened in this country. You know, hey, listen, I know you know what you're talking about. I, I'm just focused on these black people that kept black people dependent on government and thought they could create some new system. I'm telling you, I got I got some more clips. They gonna pr- they're gonna promote Marxism, socialism. They are gonna look to New Guinea in 1973, North Korea in 1973, and Cuba, and say those are shining examples. You're gonna hear them, but I'm telling you, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna get to those at least if I don't get to nothing else. And look at those countries now. Well, to Horrible be fair, countries. to be fair, North Korea was in a little bit of predicament in 1973 than it is now. It was better off in 1973. Uh, they had functional industry still, because what happened was that when after the Korean War, the North was actually the more modernized, the more industrialized, the richer nation, right? Uh-huh. But that's simply because of where the Korean economy had located certain things near natural resources, like rivers and things. So as they burn through that, right? The difference is the guy in the the guy in the South has a job. And mm-hmm. he brings in a paycheck and spends a little less than he makes, and he's putting money in the bank. The guy in the north is selling off grandpa's old equipment one by one to make everything meet, and he's running out of equipment. Oh, uh, okay. Well, you know, it was 1973, but the the way these people talked about North Korea and, you know, Cuba and uh, New Guinea, they were socialist, communist systems. And uh, I don't care when it was working okay, look at it now. That's that's the way I look at it. But let me go to this next clip. I just want to make one one point about the whole budget cutback thing, as we see it. And I think again we see a rather, rather magnificent PR game being done by the Nixon administration, because the nation as a whole assumes that the the cuts that are taking place are one to eliminate black people from the rules from the welfare rules to make life easier for the taxpayers out in out in out in the hinterland. But if you really track the statistics and, and see exactly who is benefiting from the program that goes down, you will find that, that generally 
two-thirds of the people who receive benefits are white and the other one-third being black. Uh, in terms of those who are receiving direct public aid or public assistance, you will find that the number increases are something like one out of four. And I'm not a, a social worker, but I, the, just the pure and simple numbers indicate that. Uh, what has happened is that out in the Midwest, where it's becoming you know, acceptable now to, to assume that discrimination is a way of life, uh, the, the, the administration has convinced people that what we are doing is, is keeping your taxes down, keeping those programs, uh, we're taking those programs out rather that have contributed to the inflation and all this other foolishness. Uh, I think what we have to do, and I think there's a tragedy that some of the so-called liberals who have participated in these discussions before are not speaking out on the issue now, but it's being left to black leadership to deal with the whole question of budget cutbacks. And I think that, that, that there's a real need to raise the level of awareness across the country because we even got some black folks who are talking about, yeah, well, we should be phasing down these things. Phasing down got nothing to do with it. If you cut back on the social program at the same time increase, increase the defense budget, when we're supposed to be winding down our involvement in Southeast Asia, there's something out of balance there. Look at that. Just all in on welfare. Is this Threw my his boy? own argument under the bus, too. I, dumb. Just dumb. Is this my boy, Mad Mac? Who is this? Yeah. What's up, Mac? You got him, brother. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good because you just called. Where's the boss at? Is he out on vacay or what? He's taking, yes. Basically, that's what he did. He took a, a well-deserved vacation. I, Rearranging he, his sock drawer. Again. You know, if I was, it, look, this man put in a lot of work for us for a long time. It's time for him to enjoy his wife, his family, and, you know, his kids and, you know, go to the beach and all that type of stuff. He's probably in Florida. I don't know. Something like that. Thank God. But, hey. You know those black folks you're talking about who are making other blacks dependent? Those are called Democrats. Okay? <laughs> bread and bread. Democrats. That's why I tell my kids, I tell my people, never, ever vote for a Democrat. Never, ever vote for a tax increase. Now, listen, I just tuned you guys in a little bit ago. I was climbing on a few roofs doing a little work. Keep the economy going. But how do you? What do you think about uh, Penn kicking that nasty ass looking Liz McGill out of the presidency of uh, Penn University? Huh. Well, that's a, that's yeah, a good thing. She resigned. I tell you, well, she, she got kicked out. If yeah, she didn't well, yeah, resign but... today, she was out. But I tell you what, all of this sophistry that the left is trying to pull off, this is setting up just like 2015, where the country is becoming so irritated with the, just the, the idiocracy of what the left and these insane liberal Democrats are trying to ram down our throats. Guess who's going to be our president? 24. Donald Trump, baby! Donald Trump. You better hope and pray, because if not, we're going to end up probably calling up North Korea, maybe to borrow a little paper money, right? Hey, Matt, I know you heard this phrase before. Gun line, baby, we in Indiana. We go, we 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 go patrol the gun line, baby. I will be back with more black and white right after this. And now more black and right with John Anthony on AM five sixty. The answer. Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony. I am your host today, 
Verline Galloway, and Eduardo. Hold on one second. I just want to play another clip. I'm trying to get all this information in for you guys. Let me just piggyback what Bill Lucy said. You know, there cannot, we should not have a discussion. There should never be a discussion of welfare without some explanation to the public of what welfare really is. Lockheed is getting welfare. People who live in the suburbs, Penn Central is getting welfare. We pay taxes. Pardon me? We pay taxes. Exactly. We pay taxes. They're not only getting welfare, but not paying any taxes. But when they get it, it is called a subsidy. And, of course, we could go along and and give a really description to all of the things that are being done by our federal government, both here in America and abroad, that are, in fact, welfare. But Mr. Nixon and his crew are not talking about eliminating any of that. They're talking about expanding that. Eduardo from Tampa Bay. What's going on, Eduardo? Oh, what a day. I just picked up... Yeah, Berlin, I just picked up my brother from the airport, so he's going to be in Tampa for a while. Good. Yeah, but he's still going to go back, unfortunately. That's too bad. Maybe I can talk him into it. You know, it's it's but, hard uh, it's hard to break people from their social, you know, networks. Yeah, yeah. But uh I wanted to bring this up and you know, we got to I want to find out I'm going to ask another show and all these other shows I call into what the black callers are thinking on across the US. Because the other one I heard one from Baltimore, and they say they are hot over there in Baltimore, and they're thinking about switching parties. But let me get to my real reason why I'm calling, and I've been calling this uh, on the other shows. Mr. Maduro, and this is what these migrants that are in Chicago, they should be back throwing the bums out like Maduro. You want to get Guyana because they're oil rich from Exxon. And... There's a possibility there's going to be military action. And Mr. Lula, who's the leader in Brazil, because they're going to have to cross into Brazil to get to Guyana if they want to do military action. So that could be a big story coming up in a few weeks. Okay. Hey, listen, I I love that new information you always call in with. And and guess what? You haven't been wrong yet. There's an awful lot of Chinese and Russian influence in Southern America, too. Yeah, or in South yeah, America. It's a top store on uh, Drudge. So I'm glad you told me to stay away from that Chinese hotel in Vegas because you know I'm always in Vegas, and I sh- and I stay clear of it too because I don't want to end up in Chinese jail. <laughs> but, but thank you, Eduardo. Yeah. Thank you for the call, man. I don't think anybody yep. does. Okay, David from Lansing. What's up, David? Hey, Verlon. What's hey, up, Verlon? Coming in medium like a Beechcraft twin-engine airliner, and I love it. It's medium sized. I'm running out of medium stuff. Anyway, uh, I like your show. Um, I've, I've heard a few people. We cannot get away from this mentioning the election of 2024, and politics is downstream from culture. Yes. Uh, so I think I'm calling in because I just want to point out an observation. I think we're losing the culture war. And so, therefore, we're going to lose in politics in the long run. And I say that because I think Republicans don't know how to support those on the right financially, and the leftists know how to boycott. I mean, they know how to cancel, and they're experts at that. So I I give you three examples. Um, Budweiser, which was supposed to be hurt very bad by a red wave boycott, Their last earnings came out and beat Wall Street expectations, and the stock rallied like 15% in about two weeks. 
Target came out with their most recent earnings about, I don't know, six, eight days ago. They beat Wall Street expectations. The stock rallied like 10%. So, so Target, you know, this woke culture promotion. And there are other companies out there. And it seems like Republicans have lost their va-va-voom. They, 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 they don't know where to put their money. They don't know how to sustain, uh, to hurt the, the bad culture and help the good culture and therefore, we're going to lose in politics. So, you know, with politics downstream from culture, we're losing the culture war, Verlon. So hey, what's David? your thoughts on this? <laughs> if I may, Verlon. Uh-huh. Um, I agree with you on the end as far as, you know, Republicans are losing their vavoom because it's, they're losing their, their focus, right? No conservative running for president right now knows what a conservative is. <laughs> it's, it's just pathetic. And, but as far as Budweiser, right, I'm not sure I agree. Because when you look at when they had the Dylan Mulvaney or whatever his name was, all the, the transgender ad stuff, their stock tanked, right? And then they did an absolute about face, and they started doing all this red-blooded American guy hunting with his dog, drinking a Bud Light. Um, right. You know what I mean? And, and now, and of course, football season is in full swing as well. Yeah. Now their stock has started to rise again. Um, I think you're actually maybe seeing evidence of... The fact that, that, you know, most Americans are not idiots. I know that's contrary to everything else I say, but. Right. My, my, okay. Uh, fair enough. So you're saying that uh, the effect of the boycott in the short term hurt them enough to turn around their company and their advertising. Well, it and, certainly and, turned around their marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, but that, 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 that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. But my, my overall point is there's been no sustained just punishment of left culture. It's like a, it's like, it's a fad on the, on the right. It's like a fad to, to boycott for a few weeks. And then we go on to the next thing. It's like a fad. It doesn't last that long. That's my point. You know, we just lose our focus. It's easy to do that when your voting base isn't radicalized. I mean, that's, that's, that's maybe, I don't know. Maybe an indication that we're doing something right. The fact that people right don't stay fervent about things forever. I, I it, that is that is a good point. But um, you know, so but there's a lot of work to be done on the right to put our money where we can make a difference and not put our money where it's hurting us. Like here's another one: Washington Post is owned by Amazon. Yet I'm sure. Vast majority of Republicans that buy some off the off the internet, they've used Amazon. I mean, you know, so we're kind of giving a little bit of money to our enemy, Washington Post. You know what we need? We need a Republican acorn. How about that? Um, uh, an Obama force, but not Obama. A, a Trump movable force that can just come down on people. We need a red right. acorn. That's what we need, David. But uh, thank, <laughs> thank, thank you for the call, brother. I want to go to this next clip. I, I think I got enough time. <laughs> but we also have to ask ourselves what the real meaning of that Watergate affair is. I think it's important, especially for those of us who are here this afternoon, to recognize that if... If the Republican Party will go that far to sabotage the Democratic Party, to sabotage that kind of opposition, 
what have we already been uh, experiencing insofar as repression is concerned, and what will we as black people have to face in the future? Because there are many of us who uh, feel that not only the Republican Party, but the Democratic Party as well, is committed to upholding a system of exploitation and racism. If you look at the McGovern campaign, McGovern didn't even raise the question of racism, and he was supposed to be the far left wing of the Democratic Party. So I think it's, it's important to see this uh, Watergate uh, scandal as being an indication of the real threat of fascism. And I think, yeah, I think yes. what, it, what it is is an indication of the lawlessness of law officials and the abuses of state power at the highest level. You have to take it beyond the particular example, as Ms. Davis said, of Watergate to understand what's going on at all levels in our society as far as abuses of power by the government is concerned, particularly in political areas. If they're doing this against the established opposition, what are they doing against black people? What are they doing against political activists? What is happening with the statutes that are being passed? and the, the people who are being appointed to the courts, the decisions the courts are rendering, what's happening at the street level in terms of the administration of justice, then you get the full impact of just how lawless these people are who okay. are supposedly in charge of administering the law. When you look at the statutes of Congress that have been passing, preventive detention, you see the no-knock, you see the stop and frisk, you see the Interstate Riot Act, you look at the, the Supreme Court of the United States consistently cutting back upon what we've regarded as traditional rights in this country, doing away with a non-unanimous jury, when you look at the street level, the level of violence, officially sanctioned violence that's going on in this country, the political implications of that. Look at it, what happened at, at Kent State and Orangeburg, Jackson State, Southern University, at Attica where 43 people were killed. And you look at the way in which the grand jury is being used, and you look at the way in which agent provocateurs are being used, and if you just trace it all the way through, uh, what we see in look Watergate is just right top. now. We'll be back with more slave-owning Angela Davis right after this. We now return to Black and White on AM560, The Answer. Here's John Anthony. Oh, man. Oh, God. 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 I will be remiss if I didn't report this. One of Black America's greatest Black Exploitation actors has died. Ron O'Neill. Superfly. Ryan O'Neill. Ryan O'Neill. Okay. Ryan O'Neill. I I tell you. That's all right. We're still getting Carnegie Stokely out of the the system. (laughs) That that, that offended Phil. Because I put one name. It offended me. It's his name. It's his name. It's not like. I mispronounced his name. I just put yeah, the you, last you name did. before you, the. You, no, you didn't say uh, Carmichael Stokely. You what said, did I say? You said like Carmine Sto- Stokely. No, I said Sto- I said Stokely Carmine. This is on tape. We'll figure this. We'll out. We'll figure it out. But whatever. <laughs> People know who we're talking about. Let me go to this next clip before I get yeah, lost. Ryan O'Neill, uh, eighty-two years old. Wow. Yeah. Well, he made it to eighty-two. That's yeah. about as long as you can I'll make it. I'd be lucky anyway. to see that. I'll be lucky to see it too. And Look Watergate at Wounded Knee right now. Of the iceberg. Look at what's happening in Wounded Knee right this moment. I think we could talk for an hour and a half if we wanted to really expand on this point. Well, I would like to, I'd like to say this, Tony, that really uh, the American people you know, uh, ha- uh, should shoulder the responsibility for what is going on now, you see, because uh, the Democrats are just alarmed 
of the bugging because it's affecting them. You see, uh, the Democrats, when they were in power, they were bugging the, the black movement. And no one made any kind of outcry about that. The only thing now, uh, the chicken had come home to roost. And though now that they are being affected, they are now beginning to do the outcry. We have been crying about that for years, about the uh, invading of our privacy, privacy the bugging uh, uh, during the civil rights movement, that above Martin Luther King, just was well known, and no one spoke out against it. So what is happening now? See, it has been a revelation of what has been going on for years. And I think that uh, the American people now uh, are becoming more aware of what is going on. Now the fact is what they're going to do to begin to deal with it. But uh, I think that I want to go back to another point also. Uh, it, it's very important who the president has around him. You see what I mean? If he have, uh, let's say, crooks around him then who, who only have their vested interests at heart and not going to commit the time and the energy that is necessary to design programs to deal with blacks, then we are never going to get the kind of response from the federal government that we need. And I think that this is very important because these fellows up there are more concerned about stashing suitcase full of money. In fact, the $2 million and $4 million that they are stashing away now, that money can be going into the black community to help them to deal with some of the problems. And I think that until we begin to focus on these kind of situations, that uh, we're going to be missing many of the basic points. $2 million, $4 million, that more, ain't nothing. That's- more Band-Aid. That's that's peanuts compared to what Joe Biden's stealing from everybody today. Now I was at the cigar shop earlier. You you probably know this better than me. They were telling me that Angela Davis was the one that killed the police officers and ran in Cuba. Is that true? Uh, is that the same? I don't know. I, I don't, don't know if that's think true that's or not. The same person. Well, that's what that's what the, I, I didn't really believe it. I, I did, but I didn't know. So if I don't know, I'm not gonna call nobody else a liar. But they they. All of them said she was the one. So I don't know. Maybe you can look that up for me while I'm playing this next clip. It's difficult, really, to say that uh, uh, that that people haven't been damaged by the by the free enterprise system in this country. The, the failure of our cities is probably a direct result of the failure of the free enterprise system to do something about it. When when big business begins to move out and leave the poor people to solve the problems of poor people, then you've got a failure. Wait a minute, you can't. I'm sorry, but, all right. But uh, you can't talk about free enterprise because there's no such thing as free enterprise. Capitalism okay. in this day and age just monopoly capitalism. It is controlled by multi-billion dollar firms, multinational firms. You know, it's controlled by the people like Rockefeller and Hughes and DuPont. Now, there's a real difference between those folks and, 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 the, and the black man or woman who decides to open up a grocery store on the corner. That is not capitalism. But Richard Nixon has been trying to convince us that all we have to do is to get a little grocery store on the corner and then all of a sudden we're black capitalists. Do you agree with that? Do, do- I want somebody to tell me what's capitalism then. If I if I open up a store, I'm making my own money, I'm making a profit. Is that capitalism? Or are they advocating for something else? What what, what do you say, George? I mean, it, what they want is a a society in which things are doled out from a central source. Yes. Right? Whether that is a localized central source or a federal like a national central source. That is the ultimate in in a lack of imagination. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, there's there's no better way than to give up ten percent in bureaucratic costs uh-huh. in order to make something happen. To make it the least efficient thing possible, the least competent organization, government is going to take care of this. It, it's just beyond belief. And this is what people like Phil want. 
They want government to just have it. And, and it's not government feel and people like feel. It's the taxpayer. Government does nothing but take money from the taxpayer. How many times do we have to say that? The government is nothing but a pickpocket. The government doesn't help black people, white people, whoever. You help yourself. My God. You just want to lay on your butt and expect government to do something for you. That's the mindset of a loser. By the way, Angela Davis uh, bought firearms for the uh, Jonathan Jackson and the Soledad brothers. Okay. Um, she wasn't the cop killer, but I will find that. I was trying to find her name, and I couldn't find it. Okay. We'll be yeah. back right after these messages. All I feel is rain. I cannot maintain with madness on my brain. I resort to violence. My killers move in silence. Like you don't know what I'm It's the show the mainstream media doesn't want you to know about. It's Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Maybe I'm foolish. Welcome maybe back I'm to Black and Right. And I'm your host, Verlon Galloway, and I want to tell everybody to sh- at the cigar-, cigar shop that you were wrong. Her name was Joanne Deborah Byer, and she went by the trade name of Shakur. Some S something Shakur. Uh, so yeah, it's like S Asakur Shakur A S S A K U R. I think I don't know those tribal names. I'm not yeah, even going to try Byron. to pronounce it. Byron is the lady who was killed. Uh, cop killer fled to Cuba. Um, our our dear friend Angela, or not Angela Bassett. What's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah, hey, I, I think I'm messing you up. I'm rubbing Dude, off. I yeah, I'm spending way too much time with you. I can't even speak anymore. Uh, but yeah, she bought firearms for Jonathan Jackson, who took over a courtroom and. Eventually, there was a shootout. They got a judge and some of his, uh, Jonathan Jackson's cohorts killed. They were in defense of the Soledad brothers, which was the whole thing, killing a corrections officer. So, yeah, there's not a lot of, not a lot of great love for the establishment from, uh, I don't want to say Angela Bassett again, so you can say <laughs> Angela Davis. Thank you. At least, I, at least I knew what I was talking about. Angela Davis, slave owner. Next clip. Well, I think that the real question is that people are not clear on capitalism because uh, capitalism is a very vicious system. But what it does is it, it embroideries its viciousness with all sorts of elusive terms. For example, many of us would support capitalism because we actually believe that in a capitalist system, there's a chance for us to get the same amount of money as Rockefeller gets because we're told that under capitalism, there is equality of opportunity. So that we feel that if this year we didn't make as much as a Rockefeller, made, then we got to work a little bit harder, and next year we're going to make it. But uh, if we carefully examine a capitalist system, we will see that it's based on exploitation, because the viciousness of capitalism, and the reason why once black people examined, we can never be for it, is that under a capitalist system, the fruits of those who labor are enjoyed by somebody else. That is, those who do the laboring, the fruits of their labor, they don't enjoy it. As a matter of fact, we could say under capitalism that the fruits of the labor of the toiling masses are enjoyed by those who do not labor. And again, as black people, we have clear examples of it. If we were to get the fruits of our labor from slavery, just from slavery, all we got to do is go to Nixon and say, hey, look, you give us the fruits of our labor from, from slavery and we forget the score. We would be the richest people in the country. Again, because under capitalism, the individual exploits the labor of the people. Now, people get confused because... 
This is a capitalist system, and it's a developed system. It's a technological system. So they combine capitalism with technology and development, and they think that there is no other possible way to develop this rapid terms of development without going through the capitalist route. But certainly we have examples that show the, the opposite of that. China is a clear example of that. Cuba is. North Korea. North Vietnam. These countries certainly in, in Africa, where countries have ch chosen the socialist path, such as Tanzania, Guinea, Congo, Brazzaville, Algeria, we see that there is another way to develop and get the same type of things that we have under the capitalist system, but in a system that does not exploit, does not exploit each other, where all of us work and the fruits of our labor are divided evenly. Let me show you how backward capitalism is. It's a backward system. We could make two statements about capitalism to show how backward it is. We could, about America. America is a capitalist country. It's thoroughly capitalist. It's, it's an imperialist country. But we could say that, number one, America is the most technologically advanced country in the world. And that's an undeniable fact. It's a truism. It's a truism. America is the most scientifically developed country in the world. And right under that, we could say a second fact, which would show you how backward America is. We could say that America in 1945 made for her people better cars than she does in 1973. And if you analyze this, you'll see how vicious the system is because here's America with its great technological skills, its great scientific ability, and rather than making a safe car for people that will last 20 years, which they can do, which they can do with the scientific knowledge that's at their fingertip, they rather take this knowledge and build a car which will break down every two years so you're forced to buy another car. Thus, you see, under capitalism, what they do is they take, they take their scientific skills and rather than using it for the benefit of the people, they use it to further exploit the people. And certainly this type of system is too backward. You think I think Nelson's going to yeah. Now. I just highlighted Apple's business plan. What? Make something that's going to break in two years so somebody needs to buy a new one. But, 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 but first he said the system exploits Wait. people because you have a job and you work. Well, and but they they are they are advocating a collectivist system. They're advocating a communist uh, socialist system. Yeah. That is the definition of exploitation. Is somebody's going to work harder and not receive the fruits of their effort. That's what communism is. And someone's not going to work harder and they're going to receive the fruits of someone else's effort. Right. Isn't that the whole point of what they're saying is that they want to receive the fruits of the, I mean, why he's talking the about dissonance in 1973 was off the chart. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> kind of ashamed. I wasn't born for another nine years. While he's talking this nonsense, people believe it. And this is the reason why I want to take people back to 1973 to see what they were talking about now and see well then and what they're talking about now, the same old rap and the, the, the countries that they highlighted then look at them now, communism, socialism, all those other isms don't work. Capitalism worked then and capitalism works now. S stop it. Stop it, Phil from Blue Island. Stop it, you, all you 1968, 73 radicals. What you are advocating for does not work. The only thing it serves is to destroy America because you hate America. You don't know anything else but old ideas that doesn't work for anybody. It only brings people down. I love this country. I do not want to see it go down. You guys can go over to New Guinea, go over to Cuba, go over there and live with your isms. We'll be back right after this. After the storm is high. 
Let's get to him, baby girl. Hey. Hey. That's right. Black and right continues on AM560. Once again, here's John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and White with John Anthony. I am Verlon Galloway. Now, before I forget, Belly of the Beast is coming up next. And must listen to radio next Saturday. My friend, Dennis Rebelletti, will be in the studio with uh, some alternate views. <laughs> Then uh, John and I, when it comes to politics, that's going to be a political show. I know you all are going to want to call in and tune in. Now, I want to leave something on your brains today. Because I'm going to I'm going to let you listen to the Prince of Hate. Not the King of Hate, because I'll never say his name. The King of Hate, he was marginalized, so his tentacles couldn't really get into society the way he wanted. Number one, he was a Muslim. Black people really didn't deal with Muslims back then. He was the head of the FOI. So I, I think I dropped enough hints for you to know who he is. But the Prince of Hate, he is what rappers call a crossover artist. He was more acceptable to America, and he got his tentacles deep in America and corrupted our youth. So I'm going to let you listen to him now so I can finish up saying what I need to say. That what Malcolm X said when he got silenced by Elijah Muhammad was in fact true. America's chickens are coming home to roost. We took this country by terror away from the Sioux, the Apache, the Arawak, the Comanche, the Arapaho, the Navajo. Terrorism. We took Africans from their country to build our way of ease and kept them enslaved and living in fear. Terrorism. We bombed Grenada and killed innocent civilians, babies, non-military personnel. We bombed the black civilian community of Panama with stealth bombers and killed unarmed teenagers and toddlers, pregnant mothers and hardworking fathers. We bombed Gaddafi's home and killed his child. Blessed are they who bash your children's head against a rock. We bombed Iraq. We killed unarmed civilians trying to make a living. We bombed a plant in Sudan to pay back for the attack on our embassy. Killed hundreds of hard-working people, mothers and fathers who left home to go that day not knowing that they never get back home. We bombed Hiroshima. We bombed Nagasaki. And we nuked far more than the thousands in New York and the Pentagon. And we never batted an eye. Kids playing in the playground, mothers picking up children after school, civilians, not soldiers, people just trying to make it day by day. We have supported state terrorism against the Palestinians and black South Africans, and now we are indignant because the stuff we have done overseas is now brought right back into our own front yards. America's chickens are coming home to roost. Violence begets violence. Hatred begets hatred. And terrorism begets terrorism. A white ambassador said that, y'all, not, not a black militant. That never gets old. But from this man's rhetoric, seeds have been sown. And trees have grown. Now, he was talking about 9-11, wasn't he? He was talking about a lot. He was saying basically that, that 9-11 was an inside job, and if it wasn't, it was our fault. But he said a lot. I think that was the whole... 
He, he, he was talking about Grenada and everything else. Yeah. But from and, those, and the uh, black civilian populations of Panama. Let's not forget that one. Yeah. And from those trees bore fruit. And that fruit has been scattered all across of America. And that's what we're confronting today. People like him. If it wasn't for people like the people I played from 1973 and people like him, there would have never been an Obama. They would have never been an acorn. And there would not be a black lives matter. I want you to remember that. Stop turning a blind eye. Stop burying your head in the sand and stop being a turtle because we need to stick together and fight without you. There's no America. See you next time. Peace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. <laughs> 